0: Those everyday business conversations, we're beginning to appreciate the degree to which those conversations hold the key to trust and business growth, and what's more fundamental to your ability to lead conversations than your voice. Today, we talk with one of the world's top experts on empowerment through voice. It's the speech coach to the stars and founder of the Vocal Awareness Program. Arthur Joseph is on the Manager Message Podcast.
1: Welcome to the Manage Your Message Podcast, where professionals come for ideas and inspiration to grow by talking about their businesses more effectively and getting lots of other people to do the same. Here is your host, consultant, professional speaker, and author, Jim Carr. Come
0: on in and welcome to the Manage Your Message Podcast. I'm Jim Carr. I help professionals and entire organizations to get the most out of their everyday business conversations, the ones that generate by far the most growth opportunities. That means improvements in your revenue, customer engagement, employee engagement, and your brand and reputation. I do that through speaking engagements to associations and corporations, consulting to organizations, and advisory work with executives and leadership teams. On this podcast, we discuss three foundational components to help you manage your message, First, the message itself, meaning the words, stories, and evidence you want your marketplace to know about. Second, your messengers, the network of people who can help you share that message. And third, management habits that will shape your culture and turn those improvements into an everyday business advantage. My new book is available from Career Press. It's titled The Science of Customer Connections, Manage Your Message to Grow Your Business. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes and & Noble, and Indie Books. The audio version is on Audible, Apple, anywhere fine business books are sold. You can also find a sample on my website, jimcar.com slash books. We bring all of this together for you because, simply put, it's much easier to grow your business when you are a message manager. A fundamental element of your story is the way it sounds. Does your message reflect you? Our guest today is one of the world's foremost authorities on communication and the human voice. Recently, Forbes said he is, quote, arguably the top voice coach in the world, end quote. Arthur Samuel Joseph has for five decades been fulfilling his mission to change the world through voice. Arthur founded and is chairman of the Vocal Awareness Institute, a voice and leadership training program. His client list, it reads like a who's who, star athletes, broadcasters, and entertainers, Names you'll know, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Tony Robbins, Emmett Smith, Pierce Brosnan, and Angelina Jolie. But Arthur works with dozens of corporate clients, physicians, attorneys. He's even helped several members of the NFL Hall of Fame with their induction speeches. And he also has books and programs that any of us can access. This is not just a set of tactics. Arthur has stated that we are on the cusp of losing the art of public discourse. He wants to make sure we can continue... To connect with one another on basic levels, and he is here to help you raise your stature and confidence with the power of your own voice. Arthur Joseph, welcome to the Manager Message.
2: Oh, I, I can't follow that, man. That was a great podcast. Thank you very much. For me. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Please tip
0: your waiters and waitresses accordingly. Yes.
2: Now, that was such a lovely narrative. Thank you very much. It's what a joy to be here.
0: Well, it's an honor to have you here. I've been fighting a cold for the last couple of days. I find myself very aware of my own voice. I have the top voice coach in the world here on behalf of our listeners. Arthur, I thought I would start, if I may, with a, a brief personal story to get into a larger issue. My first real paid job back in my little Georgia hometown where I grew up, I was 16 years old. And uh, to have gas money for the Buick that I had been able to buy and drive around, I found a job as a DJ on a 1000 watt AM country music station. Not a big audience, it was a big deal in my little hometown and uh, back in those days we would record occasionally little promos, news bits, ads and I would hear them and hear the station on the AM radio in my Buick and I recall Arthur, the first time that I heard myself on this radio and I wasn't happy. I thought, I'm 16, and I thought I sounded 11, and I thought I sounded like the biggest hick or hillbilly in the world. Now, I've not had vocal training, but from that point, I've been very aware of my voice and always tried to, to make it as good as I could make it. My question to you, and you deal with a whole range of professionals and celebrities, as well as people that that we would not have heard of, I find that a lot of very accomplished people are still uncomfortable with the way they look and especially the way that they sound. And I'm wondering, is, is that something that you find typically when you're working, especially with corporate clients?
2: Well, you didn't mention any of the corporations, but they range from the Federal Reserve to E&Y and Deloitte and Commissioner Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the National Football League. I'm privileged to have his name on the foreword of my last book. And I share this because part of what I've recognized this is my fifty-fourth year of vocal awareness, Jim. And part of the, the real discovery for me decades ago was that the discoveries and the journey that we take through vocal awareness are part of the human condition. We all tend to process this work in the same way. It doesn't matter if you're an elite athlete. One of my clients was a Holocaust survivor, and what a privilege it was to to work with this woman post-Holocaust and helping her find her voice. A child and nonagenarian, it doesn't matter whom I work with, we all process this in the same way. And what am I saying? Sociologists have fed us this empty bill of goods for several generations now that the greatest fear in society is public speaking. Now, that's completely bogus, but that's... Picking a poke, we've bought into the greatest fear, however, are two fears fear of abandonment and ownership of my power, claiming me without being afraid of what you think of me while I'm being who I am. And throughout life, we all have these mixed messages. You mentioned that I've taught a lot of elite athletes, I have 23 players in the NFL Pro Football Hall of Fame alone. And you're correct, I write a lot of their Hall of Fame speeches. When I was writing one with Ladanian Tomlinson, who was uh, running back for the Chargers, a couple of three years ago, there's a theme in my work called A Champion Does It Differently. So we look up the root of the word champion. And it wasn't a sports-centric word. It literally means dazzlingly skilled in any field. But to be a champion, we must be audacious. Bold, intrepid, fearlessly daring, courageous. Also, we've been taught, and rightfully so, that the word hubris is an inappropriate word to strive to embody ourselves being hubristic, because it means extreme arrogance or blaspheming the gods. But I'm a classical singer by training. I have a master's in voice, so I spend a lot of time in art and train renowned singers around the globe as well. And, of course, I've been hanging out for decades with some of the greatest athletes in the world. And an artist on that stage, an athlete on that field, on the court, is completely hubristic. The performer on stage doesn't hope you like them. Yes, the human being wants to be loved in stroke. But the moment my, my energy crosses the footlights in this needy, supplicant way, I'm not serving my art. My ego is in the way. The athlete on the field doesn't hope the coach or his teammates approves. They are totally self-focused. But out here, Jim, we've gotten all these mixed messages all throughout our lives. Oh, you shouldn't act like that. What will people think? I don't say that. You sound arrogant. So if I say to you, Jim, vocal awareness is extraordinary work. It can help you change your life in moments. Now, that's stupid and arrogant. But if I say in response, vocal awareness, Jim, is extraordinary it can help you change your life in moments. That's not arrogant. It's my truth. So you touched up on something in your reading at the top. In your introduction, you use the words message and messenger. And in vocal awareness, I'm always teaching, it's not just the message, but it's the messenger. It's not simply what we say, but how we say it. So this work, Empowerment Through Voice, Designed to help us not present who we are, but claim and be who we are. And you wondered if I was ever going to come up for air while well, I and now am.
0: A brief pause message managers to tell you that this episode is brought to you by my new book, The Science of Customer Connections Manage Your Message to Grow Your Business. It's published by Career Press. The audiobook is produced by Brilliance Publishing. One of the gracious endorsers of the book, is Whitney Johnson, a LinkedIn top influencer. You probably know her as the best-selling author of Build an A-Team and Disrupt Yourself. Whitney writes, in part, Jim Carr offers a fresh look at messaging backed by research and years of experience and provides the tools and playbook template that can help your organization's distinctive voice resonate rather than being lost in background noise. Stop sounding like everyone else and start growing. You can find this book at all the usual places, Amazon, IndieBooks, BarnesandNoble.com. The audio book is available through Apple and Audio. Again, wherever fine business books are sold and in the different ways that you might want to consume the content. You can also find a free sampler on my website, jimcard.com. We've put the introduction in chapter one there for you to try before you buy, if you like And if you find value from it, we can also talk about ways that I can bring the practical insights from the book to your group as a speaker. Now, for now, let's rejoin my conversation with Arthur Joseph. Arthur has me go through some exercises and rituals that I did not expect, but they proved to be pretty valuable. And then again, he is, according to Forbes, the top voice coach in the world. So here goes.
2: I want you to sit up straight, sit at attention, Jim. I'm standing, is that uh, that helpful? stand at attention, Jim, and you notice you hold your breath, correct? Correct. Now, I never want us to present ourselves, i.e. stand at attention. I want us to be ourselves. So back in my Tony Robbins days, he referred to my rituals as pattern interrupts. He would say to create a new pattern, you have to exaggerate behavior to create a new one, to break an old one. And so stature is not a ritual, it's preparation for everything we do. So literally with your hand, and please all of your listeners, join with us. From three inches below your navel, slowly and gracefully, pull a thread right up to the top of your crown chakra, right up to the middle of your head. And don't let it just drift away when you get there, but continue to extend your arm until it is fully extended, relaxing your neck and shoulders as you do so, put your arm down, and then say what you said.
0: Let's return to some fundamental premises that you have. Are you in
2: stature yet? Did you pull the thread, Jim? I did. Now, do you hear that there's a bit more resonance in your voice? You probably noticed more than I, but I did feel
0: a sense of more relax. I actually felt a bit more breath in me.
2: And when you were... Standing at attention, you held your breath. Did you notice the first thing you did when I asked you to embody a man of stature was inhale? Yes, actually, now that you mention it. So hold that thought. May I mention God on your show? Absolutely. So the first of the seven rituals is to say thank you to God, thank you to source, or merely thank you if one has a different interpretation of spirit. So not aloud, but within yourself, really embrace the thought of saying thank you to God. And you notice your internal and external space are quieter. Is that correct?
0: That is correct.
2: And you notice the first thing you just did again was inhale.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: And now, can you sit down where you are for a moment and stand twice? I'm going to do an exercise.
0: I am moving a chair in right now. So all of <laughs> you messaging yet, listeners, wait. you can imagine the uh, studios here.
2: <laughs> so, now, such that they are. So should, uh, should I be relax. seated now? Just sit down and relax. Okay. Forget all the stature smatcher nonsense. And notice how you feel. Notice how your space feels. Stand in place, please, Jim. Okay. Turn off your left brain. And don't try to understand the words. Don't think about whom or what. Just feel what it might be like, Jim, to love and let go Just hear the words love and let go. And when you choose to, sit down. Okay. Does that feel any different than merely relaxing? It feels
0: a little more aware of the moment, if that makes sense. Is the space quieter? It feels that way. Maybe I'm paying more attention to the quiet around me.
2: And do you notice that the first thing you did when you loved and let go was inhale? Sitting in place or standing in place, just love and let go. Feel the breath? Yes. So you can stand again. We're done with that. If you're more comfortable, whatever is best for you, Jim. Okay. So what am I saying with all of this? I'm saying a couple of things. One, this is communication mastery. It's actually trademarked. But it's really mastery through communication. In all forms of mastery except vocal awareness, there is an off switch. That athlete, that artist is only in mastery in their skill set. In vocal awareness, there is no off switch. Because it isn't merely what we do, it's who we are that matters in this work. But in all mastery, mastery is only achieved when you integrate mind, body, spirit. And an artist in the wings before coming out, an athlete before they compete, always have a ritual. And the ritual never changes. And it's not just biomechanics, it's spiritually based as well. And why breathing is so important. I put you in stature, we thank source, we love and let go, and the body's first impulse is to inhale. It's the body's way of saying, thank you for giving me permission to be who I am. I breathe in acknowledgement. And the root of the word spirit, spiritus, simply means to breathe. The root of the word Hebrew word neshama means both soul and breath. When I speak about voice as power, this is our entry into what that really means and what it truly takes to embody that. It doesn't mean big, bombastic. Notice what's about to happen in your space right now, as I speak to you in a very different way. What I'm speaking about, Jim, is integrity, authenticity, to be who we are, to the best of our ability, having the same person show up everywhere. So what we just did, which you allowed me to walk you through, is part of what I call a mastery moment. For your listeners, all of us have heard that actually in the meeting begins before you walk in the room, but what do we do with it? So in vocal awareness, we put ourselves in stature. We thank source. We love and let go, and we do a couple of other things we may get to in this call. And we very important create what's called our persona state. The root of the word persona is an Etruscan root word, which literally means through the sound. One's identity is largely conveyed through the sound of a voice and an opinion created instantaneously. So the persona statement has four parts, but the cliff note version has two parts. We answer the first one. How do I believe I'm presently perceived? The second question is, How would I ideally like to be known? You mean you have a choice? Absolutely. And I'm committed to not making my clients into anyone they're not, but rather passionately committed to bringing out what's possible. And it begins with claiming who we are through the persona state. So in that mastery moment, we embody our brand. We spend thousands of dollars on a logo, on our website, color palette, font, but we walk out and we have no awareness of how we communicate. Most fundamental part of our brand ever. When you were reading those wonderful openings, you're such a genuinely caring man. The warmth of who you are comes through but I also knew you were reading because of how you phrased. And so I tell all my play-by-play and color people, the sense is that we're at Starbucks. And I wanted to sound conversational because at Starbucks, we're not going to breathe like I just breathed there because I'm not in a presentational context. I'm not doing those dumb things that I just did. Rather, we're in conversation. So our breath comes in normally. It comes in these comfortable places where it sounds organic because it is real and organic in that moment. And so to be able to achieve that, I ask my clients to practice. Practice your elevator pitch at home. Put on video or audio. 30 seconds. Watch how much work it is to get 30 seconds the way you Practice your PowerPoint presentation, not simply putting bullets up, but write out the entire copy. If anybody watches a couple of my Hall of Fame inductees, Emmett Smith and Michael Irvin, two of the triplets of that amazing 80s team of the Cowboys, 90s team, whichever it was, those men, 22 and 28 minute speeches, didn't even have a four by six. It was fully memorized. We're taught that a performance is inauthentic, that we make presentations every day of our lives in business. It's a sales presentation, it's a board presentation, a PowerPoint presentation. But in vocal awareness, it's a performance. On my website, vocalawareness.com, there's a TEDx talk I did last year and clients asked how did i prepare and i said i prepared as though it was a recital a recital is impeccable so even the day of the performance conservatively i practiced that 40 times, 50 times that's me and got there an hour an hour and a half ahead of everyone and sat with my recorder in a private space and practiced doing my work. We go to a concert and we've paid a lot of money for that ticket and we expect the performance to be impeccable. And it is because that performer practiced, rehearsed for hundreds of hours. Why should it be any difference in business? In the back of my last book, Vocal Leadership, I have several appendices and one of them is a glossary with root sources to myriad words. We look up at the root of the word presentation, present, it means to introduce formally, to bring before the public. We look up the word perform or performance, and it literally means to carry out, fulfill, to do. You see, a presentation is inauthentic. A performance is more genuine. We're actually taught in meetings to bond with our audience. Well, what if This one person has one POV and somebody else has another. I can't please you both. We're taught to speak to the last row of the house. All that does is raise pitch. And so I'm awakening your audience to all these everyday realities because speech is habit. And right now I say to you, Jim, it's really an honor, truly an honor to be on your show. Thank you so very much for having me on versus, Jim, it's truly an honor. It's really an honor to be on your show. Thank you for having me on. Now, the first one is bogus, but we don't necessarily know why. Just know that's disingenuous. We don't realize I simply spoke too high in my pitch and I spoke too fast. Second one, we don't realize breathed. My pitch went lower and I slowed down. All we get is that man is more genuine. So you hear me. I hope that people are either taking notes or will listen back and and really understand what I'm talking about, because I make complete intellectual sense, but the angels and the details, this is a doing work. So what is it to be in stature? It's not just sitting up straight. It's not just thinking, and we actually have to pull that through. What is it to thank source? Jim, if I say to you, take a nice deep breath, please. And exhale, when you felt your chest rise. Yes. Now, if I say to you, Jim, please allow a slow, silent, loving breath. It will take five to seven seconds. Don't take, simply allow loving. Relax your neck, shoulders deeper, and exhale. And you felt your intercostals expand. Is that correct, Jim? Yes, it is. And you hear the pitch of your voices deeper, and there's more resonance from one breath. And now I won't play with you anymore. I'm just going to let you talk, and, because I know you've a <laughs> word in edgewise in the last three hours. I so, am
0: happy to be a podcast host guinea pig. That is just fine. It's making me better. I'm curious your view of a couple of longer-term trends or phenomena, I think that I'm seeing out in the business world and the media world communications world. And I'd like to get your view on both of these. We can take them together or separately as you wish. As you said, Arthur, you have more than 50 years as being an expert in vocal awareness, in presentation and performance. One of the things that certainly I notice about you is your pacing. You pause, I would imagine very strategically. You as stand-up comedians or actors would say, you sometimes you will let an important thought land. And I think that I've seen in our communication environment these days that the pace of speech has changed. I'm certainly around people who are very fast talkers and probably more in some parts of the country than others. But my first question to you is if you've noticed that the pace of speech has changed, that it's sped up over time.
2: Absolutely. I call this the fingers and thumbs generation. Our mouth is not our mind out loud. And we screen data. And we're also losing the art of public discourse. We have challenge looking one another in the eye because we're so used to using our fingers to communicate. And one of the things I'm teaching is it's actually not a pause, it's space. A song without a rest is not the same piece of music. When we pause, we tend to enforce something in a manipulative way. When we create space, we inhale actually, we breathe. But do you have a stopwatch, Jim? Do you have your phone with you or anything?
0: I do manage to have my phone with me, uh, for better or for worse.
2: Do you know how to get your stopwatch?
0: Yes, I'm pulling it up right now.
2: Okay, and I'm going to do this four times. And I want you to give me a three, two, one each time so that you can time me and then stop when I'm done. Three, two, one. When I speak, I need to be able to project my voice on the very speaker. It doesn't matter whether it's loud or whether it's soft, period.
0: 5.17 seconds.
2: <laughs> Three more.
0: Three, two, one.
2: When I speak, I need to be aware of projecting my voice in a very specific arc. It doesn't matter whether it's loud or whether it's soft, period.
0: That was actually 6.41 seconds. But two my more. thumb might have been a little heavy. Three, two, one.
2: Okay.
0: That was about nine and a half seconds.
2: And the last one.
0: Three, two, one.
2: When I speak, I need to be aware of projecting my voice in a very specific arc. It doesn't matter whether it's loud or whether it's soft.
0: seconds.
2: Now, the first one is not two and a half seconds better because it's two and a half seconds faster. Nothing is gained by going too fast in communication, but potentially everything is lost. We're even taught in some situations to bond with our audience. If they're a fast talker, then we should be speaking fast to mirror them. I teach the exact opposite. I don't want us to keep up with them. I want us to be genuine and speak as we choose to speak. The third one was a cartoon like the first one was. And it illustrates we have a finite amount of time and space. It's how we use the energy in that time and space. Now, the fourth one, you didn't think that man is too slow. You just found that one the most compelling and authentic. Am I correct, Jim? Correct. And so it's not about how fast, it's about how effective.
0: Along those lines, there's another phenomenon. I wrote about it a bit in my recent book, having seen some science and some survey data behind it. It is the phenomenon of around pitch called high rising terminal. Some people call it up speaking. So it is for our listeners when one is going to make a statement, it comes across as a question, you going to make a statement, it comes across as a question. And I see that a lot in, particularly among younger female professionals, but certainly not exclusively so. It is very common in Australia, New Zealand, Europe, and in the US. The result for upspeakers that we tend to see, Arthur, is diminished influence and limits in their job promotions and their perceived effectiveness, their perceived confidence. I'm wondering if you have seen this phenomenon as well. And if so, how do you recommend that people would begin to address
2: it? Hmm. What an insightful thought. Thanks, Jim. You've done some homework, man. (laughs) I did. And I'll take it a step further. We all do that. Once again, as part of the human condition, you've been doing it all day. We just don't notice. And I send your listeners to YouTube and look at a video of a woman in Kirsten, K-Y-R-S-T-E-N Cinema, S-I-N-E-M-A. And you Google her campaign announcement, November, I think it might have been 2017. She's wearing a blue top. And it's about three minutes of cha- in change with me sitting next to the camera. I've annotated the prompter in something called visceral language, which is part of the offering I will share with your, your listeners in a moment. It's a technique. As a singer, I look at music and it tells me everything to do. As a speaker, we have words and they don't tell us anything. They're only words. So I, this is a way to make voice visual. And when I said that, you saw the word visual underlined. And if you pay extra attention, you also notice the V is underlined. So the rule is, every time I stop, even if it's not a complete thought, I see a period. And before the period, I underline that last word. My pitch will go down. I inhale. My inflection changes on the next phrase, and now I'm telling story. There is a different fluidity, a different quality in my narrative. And so Kirsten is now a U.S. senator, a Democrat in a red state, U.S. senator from Arizona. And this campaign announcement went a long way to helping her gain that position. And the point of my even sharing any of this is Look at her endings. Look at the integrity of how she communicates. And I wasn't asking Kirsten to be anything other than what she's capable of being. And so in our society, we draw conclusions about people through the way they communicate. And to be frank, we're in a very dangerous time in our society. For for me personally, as dangerous as it was in World War II, even more so than during McCarthy Day. And I'm trying to awaken people to our responsibility because we've abdicated. And I don't want us in our daily lives to be intimidated by others because they may speak more ferociously or at work. It's not necessarily a level playing field for any of us. Yes, it's more challenging quite often for women. But it could also the same thing could also be said for other groups of people. And so what I'm trying to do is reduce all of this to a common denominator. We do not need permission to be us. And this work is designed to help us claim who we are. And you're absolutely right. When I speak like this, I am certainly, I give it all away. I even teach people how to ask a question with the inflection going down. Does this make any sense to you? for example, because I want us to own our power. I want us to be in charge. Nobody can take it from us, but we can certainly hand it to them on a silver platter. And because speech is habit, we have been behaving like this our entire lives. But I'm teaching in this work, June, that we are not our behaviors. That's how we behave, but this is not who we are. And so I'm helping us tap into what's really possible. Did I answer your question to make some sense?
0: That you did. And you phrased the question that sounded like a question. <laughs> and, and I would like to use this opportunity for you to talk about the vocal awareness program. You've talked about the different rituals. You've given us some great perspective on all of this. I'm curious as to how you've evolved that program over time and ways that you are offering your services today.
2: Well, these days about 60 to 70% of my work is in virtual all over the world, which is kind of cool. Here we are, you're in Arkansas and I'm in LA, and we're here on Zoom. You're tempted to get me on Zencaster, but I'm the Cromany man of technology, and I couldn't do it, so you kindly of helped me do it this way. And I have online courses and five books and all of that sort of thing. I'm in my legacy period. This is my 74th... I'm 73 in my 54th year of vocal awareness. So this past January with my birthday, I launched a certification course to enlist people into what I call the human achievement movement. I want to create a legacy of people able to do vocal awareness, to teach vocal awareness, to spread vocal awareness. But the offering that I bring to your listeners is a 50% discount on a course called visual voice pro, which is me teaching this work to you on video and teaching you using Emmett Smith's hall of fame speech actually is the, as the example of how to do, how to make voice visual, how to annotate text so that, and how to practice this. And It's a game changer, to be frank. And so my vision, Jim, is to change the world to voice. I'm so thrilled to be on your podcast because I can't fulfill that vision by myself. Thus the offering and thus the joy of your platform to reach listeners who can spread the word. The Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, I heard you say it a lecture many, many, over, geez. 50-plus years ago, he created Transcendental Meditation. He said, I want to have a billion meditators on the planet to shift the vibration. A few years ago, I had the privilege of having a one-on-one meeting with a profound rabbi who passed away, but one of his best friends was the Dalai Lama. These are the circles he moved in. And we were to have dinner together, but before that, he took me into a study to study me. And I said, Rabbi, this isn't appropriate. I'm here to sit at your feet. And he said he knew of my work and he was studying my vibration. He said evil is so entrenched in the universe, it can't be confronted head on, but only in the vibratory. plane. Voice is vibration. It's energy. We don't simply drop a rock in the water and it sinks to the bottom. Rather, it sends concentric rings across the surface of the pond, touching everything it comes in contact with, just like each and every one of us does every day through the way we communicate. So that's the work in a nutshell. And I've had a really lovely time. I hope it's been worth it for you and your listeners.
0: Arthur Joseph, this has been a joy to hear from the master and to walk through some of the rituals and some of the guidance that you have for your own clients. We'll have all of those links in our show description. And I would say as much as anything, it's not just a bunch of tactics. It is really a different mindset and an appreciation for how we may use our own voices in an authentic way to serve our businesses, our communities, our families, and to serve others. It's been a real joy. Arthur, I hope you, you will join us again sometime soon.
2: I would love to contribute anytime you ask, Jim. Thank you.
0: Thank you for joining the podcast. Whether you're a returning message manager, perhaps this is your first time in. We continue to build momentum as we start a new calendar year. That's because so many of you have been recommending us to your friends and colleagues and leaving those five-star ratings. It does help. If you haven't yet done so, please take just a few seconds to tap subscribe and offer your five-star rating and review. There's another free business messaging resource that's available to you One you can read the message manager memo. It comes to your email inbox. It's a brief read with something that you can put to work right away. You can sign up at jimcar.com. That's K-A-R-R-H. And while you're there, If you're part of a professional association or a company, perhaps a not-for-profit, maybe several of the above, then you're surrounded by people looking for ways to improve their professional conversations and to grow their business. On the website, you'll see a speaking page as well as a related page with resources specific to event professionals. Let's make your in-person events memorable and particularly valuable for months after the event. You can email me directly at jim at jimcar.com. We can set up a time to talk by phone if you like. My direct number is also on the website. Let's talk. And until next time, message managers, thanks for joining the conversation.
1: Thanks for joining us on the Manage Your Message podcast with Jim Carr. You'll find show notes and other resources at manageyourmessagepodcast.com and jimcar.com. Please help us serve you and other message managers by subscribing to, rating and reviewing this podcast and connect with Jim on LinkedIn and on Twitter at Jim Carr. Until next time, we hope your business message is shared well and often.